Good afternoon, everybody. I'm here with Jalal Madani and Amy Dietz. You look mighty happy today, Amy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Why do you always make fun of me? It always I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. No, no, way, I'm not honestly. making fun of you at all. Actually, I'm very. I'm actually. <laughs> I'm reading a book about how to be more interested in in people's daily daily lives. And um, as nice. noted, you were quite happy today. How like was it your commute in this morning? Or? My commute was fabulous. <laughs> was it? Was Did you encounter any? Tell us. I was delayed. My flight was delayed yesterday. Ooh. It was none too fun. But we're here. We're excited to talk about our new topic. Did you encounter any escalators on the way in today? Well, that's enough. That's enough. What are we talking about again today? I'm, I'm, okay, you want to know what we're talking about? What? Sean's kind of acting like one right now. Teenagers. Oh, God. My favorite topic. <laughs> Save me here, guys. Save me. favorite topic teenagers today we're going to talk a little bit about you know basically how you might be able to teach them about money as they're progressing through the age 13 to pre-age 18 years and uh little observations that we've seen over the years that uh, made a big difference teenagers right so you're you're in the thick of it as we speak yes i remember being a teenager but yes i i I have uh, some specific relevant poor fathering examples (laughs) around it so that's what i want to hear so what we could start with, so basically, you know, having a teenager, they're, they're a little bit of a different breed, as we know. Um, they basically, it's the old saying, you know, growing up, you always think you know more than your parents ever did or ever do. Then once you reach a certain age, you wish you knew what they knew. Um, you, you tend to respect their, uh, their experience. Um, you know, funny, funny, there's things that you can do day to day that, uh, you know, can help teach teenagers the value of money. We thought we'd touch on them. But before I begin, did you have anything to suggest, Joel? I mean, do you remember your teenage years? I remember them very clearly, but I got really not much to suggest. I mean, I have no teenagers, so. Did Were you taught anything in your teenage years around money? <clears throat> not necessarily, because uh, I was actually pretty much on my own by the time I was in my teenage years. So I had to self-teach myself almost everything. So how old were you, Amy, when you had your first job? I was 13. I took the babysitting course and Mm -hmm. I jumped into babysitting. So the cash economy and and saving that way. But some of my friends, I remember, they had allowances, right? So they got a certain amount each week. I did not. It was expected I contribute at the house. And like there was, if you did good things, they would buy you stuff. But it it wasn't expected that you would get a certain cash amount. And so it was kind of a different scenario and i know we talk about that sometimes with clients like do you give an allowance or do you give the concept of commissions like it's earned Hmm. you know when you do certain tasks maybe above and beyond what's expected what's what would be better i mean if you think about it like obviously you know teenagers need an amount of money to live is it better to suggest they go work at age 14 15 starting out at mcdonald's and then working their way through to whatever they end up doing you know throughout university Mm-hmm. Or is it better maybe to give commissions around doing stuff around the house or just saying, look, if you live here, we'll give you an allowance and it's up to you to kind of fulfill? I think there's a lot of value, you know, even if they do like say going over to the neighbors to like shovel their driveway, like the not only is there the earning the money part, but it's mm-hmm. also getting experience like dealing with a different adult outside of your parents, right? right? Learning that sort of responsibility and how to communicate with others. I think there's a lot of value in that. Do you see, you know, let me ask you this, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of children now, this is actually mandated in high school. It wasn't when we were, when we were younger, mm-hmm. but you're required to do a certain amount of volunteer hours to qualify for your high school diploma. You have one of those, right, Jalal? <laughs> <laughs> 
think so. Okay. <laughs> so today, you know, to get a high school diploma, you need to show 40 hours of volunteer work. And of course, when you're doing volunteer work, you don't get paid. How do you handle that? Well, I think it's understanding a part of giving back too, right? So it's not all about cash all the time. Mm -hmm. It's about giving back to your community and also learning that value too at the same time. And why is that a value important? Like, why would, like if I'm a teenager, I'm trying to work my way through a myriad of issues I'm dealing with, you know, puberty being one of them, but also the world, <laughs> the world in general is a scary place. And you're learning that at a fast rate these days. Why is learning that volunteerism is an important thing in one's life? Well, I think the whole concept of giving back, because if you think about their concept of money, like I think from my perspective, when I was a kid, you just kind of looked around at your peers in school, mm -hmm. like what they had and what they didn't have and kind of reflected on what you had. But if you think of social media, how it's in their face constantly, like right. this hyper, you know, sensitive you know look at this person they've got this and that everybody's showing off these really glamorous you know at times lifestyles you kind of lose touch with what money is and how do you earn it and how do you get it and where do you spend it right, right. so i think the whole idea of volunteering is kind of bring you back down to earth a little bit and, and be a little more grounded and and what's really valuable here is it the new shoes or the new whatever the Kardashians are, ha you know, have, or it, it gets a little ridiculous, I think. Well, and, and the good news is that's going to be enforced on a lot of teenagers as they progress, at mm -hmm. least in Ontario, as they progress through their high school diploma. Um, when should you start teaching somebody about the value of money? And I'll give you a small example. And I was late to the game on this, but, you know, the other day, you know, especially with inflation and food prices mm -hmm. and so forth, you know, we were buying some food for my daughter to go to university, and, and I went shopping with her, mm -hmm. and we're going up and down the aisle. And I'm a very conscientious shopper. Always have been. I look for deals, uh, flyer items, and all sorts of different pricing, different, like, you know, multiple mm -hmm. pricing or multiple mm -hmm. product buying pricing and so on and so forth. How old should you be showing your, your children, you know, how to go to the grocery store and purchase properly well i think if you listen to our previous one where we're talking about little little kids like as soon as you can right mm. they're observing right mm -hmm. so if you're used to seeing your parent bargain shop my mother was very much into the flyers she'd make a list of like where where the deals were for the week and i remember picking that up and thinking you're right like why would i pay this versus if i could go here i could save a few bucks like it adds up over time so right. you start to pick up those little behaviors and, and tips and tricks and mm -hmm. Again, you might not even realize that your kids are observing you. Um, so that's a really important part to be mindful of your own self, but also think about just the kids in general when you're communicating with them. Like getting them ready for university is a really good, you know, time to talk about budgeting because they're now going to be on their own. They're going to have, you know, they might be on a meal plan. They might mm -hmm. not. What does that look like? How do they manage that? I think is a really a really timely conversation to get them involved. You know, I was out for for lunch uh, with some young mentees, um, part of the firm's uh, mentorship program, and a lot of them, I was really shocked. Like they they don't have credit cards because their parents have said no credit cards, no 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 no. Um, some of the, and, and it was like that was very foreign to them. And I think teaching people like sometimes a credit card you you add up points and there's some benefits, but I think getting them to self-control using that credit card would be important because at some point they will get a credit card 
and you, want you want to make out. sure that they know how to use it yeah. and what the pitfalls are. So instead of saying don't have one, it's mm-hmm. how do you teach them to use things like that responsibly? Right. Yeah, well, yeah. well and I think too, I mean, one concept that, that teenagers don't understand, and this is something I've noticed with even my daughter and their friends, and it's not, you know, their parents being derelict. I think it's just the nature of their existence mm-hmm. is that they don't understand that when you spend a dollar, mm-hmm. it's gone. Yeah. It's never coming back. Yeah. So if you go out and buy those shoes we talked on the Lost Broadcast Yeezys. about the, the Easies, <laughs> and you spend $600 on these things, at $600, it's never coming back. Yeah. But your Instagram followers are going to go up. <laughs> well, and maybe and maybe that's, that's an important think, byproduct. I don't know. Is that a thing? If you had a job, right? So even just like having a part-time job of some sort in some capacity, you can then say like, how many hours does it take to get whatever the item is, right? It, yeah. it becomes like a real tangible thing that you can put your mind around, and it's like, oh, that's like a week's worth of work, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it really worth it? Like yep. my first job, for example, I think I was getting paid. This was back in 03 in BC. So I think minimum wage was like five fifty or six bucks. Yeah. Yep. So that's how much I was getting paid. My first job was at um uh, at a gas station, at a Mohawk gas station. And I remember like sometimes obviously I still wanted to spend money and everything, but that's exactly how I calculated. Yeah. Like if I wanted to buy this, I was like three weeks worth of work. Right. You right. I mean, so sometimes that's how, how I would calculate it or justify it in my head not to buy something. Yeah. Other times it was because I was lazy to go to the store and, and shop. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's exactly. Well, how which is it's an interesting notion, right? Because yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of when you're older, including most of our clients, I mean, mm-hmm. you've kind of achieved a certain station in life where yeah. it doesn't take you three weeks to go and save up to buy a pair of shoes, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. and in many cases, you know, within reason, you can likely purchase what you want because yeah. you have the the income or the economic thrust to do so, right? And your kids aren't stupid; they, they you know they observe this and they know this, and and so the question becomes, you know, uh, you know, how do you convey because you're at a different stage in life if you're in your let's say early 50s to mid 50s to even early 60s people are having children later and later in mm-hmm. life that you you get paid differently when you're older than when you're younger and mm-hmm. that you're paid for your experience rather than your time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but your teenager who's being paid for their time they don't equate the two necessarily and also they probably live in your home for a period of time they're going to probably most of our clients' children, and including our children, will likely have their their post uh, you know their post high school graduate mm-hmm. education for the most part paid for. Mm-hmm. Yep. How do you communicate to them the values? It was old Sam Walton curse. The values that made you kind of let's say wealthier than you might have thought when you were a teenager to them, so that mm-hmm. they don't lose the value of hard work. Well, well I think I think that just on that yeah. the, the post secondary thing, you're right. Like it, today, a lot of parents it's they feel they're expected to pay for that now right because it is kind of this expected thing Mm -hmm. when you graduate you got to have that degree now right Mm -hmm. so and now it almost seems as if that's not enough now you need the graduate degree on top of that so it's a lot of parents come to us and when we're talking about planning that is in their plan like yes we are footing the the bill for that and and that's fine and that's a great goal but i think if you can even (laughs) encourage your kids to like contribute in some sort of way I think it can be quite helpful because when you it say contribute, contribute to what? Like, so the, the, like for example, the, the RESP, the Education Savings Plan that yeah. the government has available, right. where you can collect the grant. If you can get your kids, even just to save in a small way, or mm-hmm. even to understand, get them kind of involved in this is how much it's going to cost to go to school. If you contribute, here's the grant money you get for for the ma- matching portion. I think is you know kind of a neat idea because then they have skin in the game. So when they actually go to school. We all know, like, I remember my, uh, you know, post-secondary education. It was a lot of fun, but I had to pay for mine. 
So I like made sure I made that 8 a.m. calculus class because that that course and those books cost me a heck of a lot of money versus some of my friends were like, ah, my parents are paying for it. It's just fun. And like maybe they didn't take it as seriously. So it it can get you to really focus on certain things. It's it's interesting, actually, you mentioned that because like there's a great book. It was written several years ago. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. And I believe it was Dr. Thomas K. Stanley who wrote it. The, it, sorry, the millionaire next door. The millionaire next door. And the premise Sounds behind good. it is that there's a lot of people all around you that are multimillionaires. And this is obviously the perspectives from the U.S., but, you know, they called it the DECA millionaire next door, where when you look at their lives, their average income wasn't really that much higher than the average income earner. Mm-hmm. But the differentiator was they saved and they were frugal and lived under, you know, basically lived below their means mm-hmm. and invested wisely in real estate and stocks, primarily stocks, believe it or not, not bonds. Yeah. And they, they basically earned, they accumulated a sizable net, net worth relative to what they were able to earn throughout their life. Mm-hmm. But one of the concepts he talked about was called economic outpatient care. And what that is is you support your children to a point where they lose incentive to work, the mm-hmm. drive to work, and then the, per, the problem becomes chronic as they get older. Mm-hmm. They can't get out of the rut. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're, in, in other words, you're destroying their competitiveness mm-hmm. by supporting them all the time. Mm-hmm. And it brings to me, you know, I was thinking about this concept or this podcast uh, earlier this morning, and I thought about Shaquille O'Neal one time. He was on the Today Show, and he was being interviewed. And, and you know, Shaquille O'Neal's a pretty funny guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for is. anyone yeah, that's ever is. seen yep. him do yep. uh, either a basketball broadcast or anything like that. And they asked him how his children were so well-grounded given the level of success Shaquille O'Neal's achieved over his life. I think mm-hmm. he's made as much money in business as he's made in basketball, and he made a fortune in basketball. Right. If not more, yeah. He's, 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 fortune, he's something yeah. else. And he basically said, well, I basically look my children in the eye and I say, I'm rich, we're not rich. <laughs> I like that. said that. And the other thing he said later on in the, in the interview was, if you want my cheese, three degrees. Three degree. Oh, oh, like uh, education. education. Education, right? So he's okay. like, because you know, he has. I believe he has an MBA from the University of Phoenix or, or something like that. But the bottom line is, if you want, if you want to be inheritor, inheritor of mine, you better deliver. So he provided some incentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing, you know, some of my clients. I was speaking with a, a gentleman we've been working with for a long, long time. You know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy, talking about how he works with his grandchildren. And one of the things he says, because a lot, and this is true, you know, you want to pursue what you want in life or, mm-hmm. or, or what you want in universe. You want to enjoy it. But equally, you want to have a pragmatic or practical aspect mm-hmm. to it. And so mm-hmm. what he is doing is saying, look, you know, I, I appreciate if you want to learn social studies or you want to learn the arts or whatever may have you. But there's also an aspect of life which you need to understand business. Mm-hmm. So if you take these business courses, I will cover half or all of each business course well, you take. That's a great incentive. And and that's and so his his uh, oldest granddaughter is going to Western, and she basically forced in I think forty percent of her courses as business because of that incentive, right. which is quite interesting. Right. Yeah. That's a great incentive. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. I don't know, like, um, obviously, I, I, I'm no I'm no Shaquille O'Neal, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I have my definitely not in height. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Um, but uh, like I definitely have my critiques of, h- of how I see parents, how they treat their like financially treat their their teenagers. Um, but I'm no I'm not really in a position to give my two cents. But uh, I, but something you said like um, you said something along the lines of that you don't want to you don't want to support them financially till the point where they just can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? But mm-hmm. it, the other side of that is if you if you only if you support them too. 
uh, if you if you stop your support, for example, or you you minimize your support too early, I feel like there could be some kind of um, maybe grudge against their parents because they will see their peers at the mm -hmm. same time mm -hmm. who are getting things from from their parents, right, and support from their parents that they themselves are not getting. Well, I think it, as right? parents, so you want to help your children. I think the golden question is that balance. Like yeah, that, that's where a, a lot of parenting. I think that's where a lot of parents. I I think get it wrong. Um, it, it is a tough balance to make it sure is. that you don't make your kids spoiled, right? You don't want to spoil them for sure, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you also you also want them to feel that they can make mistakes in in life, and that you are there for them. You're there to support them, what, what's whether the financially you or whatnot. Say? Well, I, I was just gonna say you don't you want to create a safety net, right? Not a safety hammock. What's the difference? Safety net, not a, a hammock. Safety well, net, hammock, net. you're relaxed and hanging Sleeping out, with a Mai Tai in your right so hand. It's a safety yeah. net. You're there to catch them if they fall. I like that. Safety but net, not a safety hammock. It's not okay. a hammock. I like that. And, and that's the balancing act. So, you know, of course, you know, if you have the means, you do not want to be casting your children into the deep end too soon, mm -hmm. yeah. but not too late either. And it's a bit of, it's a bit of a balancing yeah. act. Yeah. And it's yeah. not going to be perfect. And we and all I know we that. Can, and I think we can agree that it also, it's, it cannot be too general of a statement because like different you know, different teenagers have different thoughts. Like, you can't treat all the kids, all the teenagers, exactly the same. Yeah. But it's a tough question. Like I said, like. Oh, well, and, that, and that's why that's why it's teenagers. The golden, it's the golden question. Sorry, go. That's ahead. why teenagers are the enigma, enigma that they are. And uh, you know. <laughs> well, it's a lot to cover in this session, and I know we've got another one geared up for yeah. for the teenager because there for again sure. there's another stage of teenagers where where there's a little bit more we can talk about. Well, well then like sand through the hourglass, our <laughs> time has come to an end. Goodbye, everyone.